0: This is episode 89 of the Real Estate Addicts Podcast with your hosts, Ray Hurtow, RH Investment Group.
1: Dan Rubinair, RH Investment Group. Mark Savatsky, Choose Boston.
0: And today we are
2: joined by... Oleg Juritsky of Helch Capital. Awesome. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for joining us here.
1: Yeah, thank you. I know it's been a little bit back and forth scheduling, but we finally got you... The podcast recording yeah. studio this is
0: your first podcast yes it is yes okay wow. to here. welcome to the fame you're you're gonna have people literally reaching out from <laughs> dozens of miles away <laughs> yeah <laughs> dozens. wanting to say hello and you might even get
1: they might even come from southern New Hampshire
3: <laughs> I'm usually responsible for the scheduling chaos I have two different schedules on my phone I have a Gmail schedule and I have an I- iOS schedule a calendar and they're different. And for me to make it, I have, what to do mind. you
0: mean? Like different time zones? No, different.
3: like you might send me a calendar invite and it might show up on one calendar, but not the other. So before I can commit to anything, I need to check a Gmail calendar <laughs> and an Apple calendar and it's, then Jesse's calendar. Yeah. And Jesse's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely,
0: I feel like you have to, Dan has probably a solution for synchronization. You are always find tinkering around finding those things.
1: I mean, I just put everything on one calendar and then I share it with my wife, yeah, and so that way, if she puts something mm. on the calendar, she just puts it on my calendar. Yeah. Those events are
0: not editable, I would assume. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> they're not. Those are those are locked in place. So,
0: well, anyway, yeah, we appreciate you coming in, and we're really looking forward to learning more about you and your company. So, yeah,
1: so Helge, quick- Hel, is it yeah. Helge? Helge Capital. Helge Capital. You are a multi-family. Um, Investment group located in Boston. How long has the business been around?
2: Um, a full time real estate has been for us since 2014, I would say. Okay. Uh, before we owned and operated a number of different businesses in the best, in the different industries, in the healthcare, in the transportation. I owned and operated out of, you know, the taxi cab medallions. Oh, really? Um, yep, yep. Um, sold everything in 2012. so that was probably a smart move yes was this pre pre uber yes Ooh. that was when uber moved to town you know sold everything on the on the on the peak values so you saw the writing on the wall yes <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it was <laughs> nice. i saw this a number of times in my dreams so sell it <laughs> mm-hmm. So did you own any real estate
1: assets prior to these previous businesses?
2: Yes, yes, and there were always real estate. So in 2012, when um, we sold all other operating businesses unrelated to real estate, myself and my partner, we shifted all our capital and all our efforts into real estate, and that's what we've been doing ever since.
1: Nice. So were you always into real estate, or did you kind of just figure that was a good next step or you like
2: know at the same time of taxi medallions <laughs> yeah. always yes always in real estate always, always in, in real estate, estate as well yeah okay that was a much smaller part of the portfolio. so you decided to kind of sell the
1: portfolio and focus primarily on real estate
2: exactly right yes we sold all other businesses and right. just real estate right now what happened to the value of those medallions was it <laughs> Or did you look back and say this was a real?
1: What are they valued spot? at today?
2: Yeah. Oh, I think how value is it? In the neighborhood of twenty thousand, and um, I mean, I kind of they were they were at the peak of about 650, 650 a medallion, thousand, yeah, wow. yeah. six
1: hundred fifty thousand a medallion.
2: Correct. Jeez. Jeez. Correct. Wow! So look what Uber did. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: it destroyed the the value completely. completely. Man, crazy! Hey, look, it's a government created monopoly, and um, it never lasted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. so what
0: was your first investment after cashing in on the medallions? Real estate. It's pretty much
2: real estate. That was
1: all, mu- all multifamily all residential multifamily.
2: family, all, all, all multifamily residentials that's either value add or development ground up. Okay. So you do both,
1: both yeah. and how, is there a size that you typically like to stick to or will you do anything?
2: Well, ideally it's a portfolio of hundred units plus that's okay. where the the most of the efficiencies come up like on-site management and on-site management. management yes yeah facilities but
1: the 100 units are they made up of could they be made up of multiple buildings or do you like to stay in like 100 units plus in one it asset? can be,
2: it can be different buildings as, as long as they are all together in one place that's that's totally fine so you don't want to buy like a portfolio of 25, three families. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nightmare to manage. Yeah. So do you and manage in houses make money, well? to make money? Yeah. Do you manage a house as well? Yes. Yes, we do. Yes. Yeah. So uh, vertically integrated. Awesome. Beautiful.
1: What are some of the latest buildings that you've acquired in, you know, have you seen a shift in the market recently based on, and how are you changing your buying criteria based
2: on the market conditions? We are right now looking at the at the Riviere Mass, so that's kind of our prime market, I would say. Uh, we like it a lot. That, that's um, you know, it's it's a very dynamic and developing development market right now. As far as anything changes because of the market, probably values you have to be you have to be careful, kind of at what cap rates you are buying right now. If you are you know a long term, short term. Operations are very important. Interesting. So, so is
1: or is your mostly your your entire
2: portfolio in Revere or is no, 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 it no. Okay. In, in Boston? Okay, in Greater Boston. Boston. In Revere, yes, the Greater Boston. How
1: far out do you go? Everything would we
2: own is is Boston the Revere Lynn. Yeah. Boston Revere Lynn. Yeah, yeah but with, oh, nice. we would definitely look at something outside. So maybe this is what you're getting at. How many units total? What what are we looking yeah. at? Probably. yeah, yeah. We own approximately 600 units. In the Boston market and the greater Boston market. So, you don't qualify for like Fannie Mae or, or, or <laughs> Fannie, Mae, Fannie Mae loans? <laughs> uh, we do, we do. I mean, and we have them and they great. Yeah. Also under development, probably another 100, 100 plus under development. Okay. These are ground up. It's a ground up, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And now you're GC in this work yourself? No, no, no that's not part that's of the vertical integration you no, no. outsourcing that no Just not you see it's very different it's a business and the business itself <clears throat> it's a risk yeah. Construction.
3: 100 a units business. yeah i mean you're, you're certainly transferring risk um mm. interesting have you thought about taking that in-house no nope.
2: nope. that's, that's <laughs> not going to happen yeah. <laughs> it's too much work it's <laughs> nice. unknown work
1: yeah it is a lot it's a lot once you get it. it's a lot we're doing 30 units and it's
3: a lot so yeah dan was <laughs> 15 yeah. minutes late to the podcast, dealing yeah. with his own stuff. issue, things out of square, re- <laughs> jiggering.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So how do you find the management aspect of it? Are you buying all class A and B stuff or how, what's your portfolio look like from an asset class standpoint?
2: Yeah. Existing existing multifamilies are they pretty much B or B minus. The new buildings are, of course, A, yeah. a class A, right? But they're not luxury buildings, Class A, and whatever the value at, it's it's a BB minus, and that's where management intensive comes into play, because you know they the, they are labor intensive, so mm-hmm. it's very difficult to outsource <clears throat> to third party management that class of assets. If it's a new building, that's that's probably that's much easier. If it's a B and B minus, that's probably the performance comes into the ability to manage those assets. Got it.
1: And then what is your kind of breakdown of your, I don't know, I guess your management team? So how many people on the management side oversee those 650
2: units you said? Yeah, Um, approximately, yeah, yeah. We have um, two property managers. We have the, the maintenance people probably would be Eight, 10, Assistant, the property managers, leasing people. So it is amazing. So you do
3: all your leasing
2: in-house yes, as well? In-house, yeah.
3: yeah. How did things go when we had the uh, Arctic blast about three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Negative, no,
2: it was, it was negative bad. Negative
3: 20. I imagine everybody's phones were, were ringing. It was bad. We had, we had a frozen drain in a building frozen that we finished using. I think it was so cold that if you spit, your spit would freeze before it hit the ground, kind of cold. And it was a drain that came out the garage and ran on a vertical and it froze on the vertical it's not like it was an eighth inch per you know per foot and it was flowing slow so that backed up a drain
0: in a building
2: that's wild that's crazy. sounds yeah. like arctic
3: oh yeah it was i mean a hundred year cold it's tough to uh to account for that
0: what did we hit minus 10 on actual temperature and wind chill was like minus 50 right yeah it was nuts we had our heating systems in a few of the buildings that couldn't keep up Pumps, they were running know. yeah it was like boilers and oh. one baseboard boiler i think yeah they were just it, it was just radiators.
1: cranking
2: 24 hours yeah. a day yeah. it was
0: going nuts and it was it was trying to keep temperature <laughs> but it was struggling
2: <laughs> i just yeah. got lots of buildings are heat pumps that's a newer technology and yeah. they didn't sustain the cold oh they couldn't that's handle thing, yeah. no, yeah they couldn't get um our building in the and the Riviera beach that's heat pumps how recent yeah. is the heat pump because i know that they keep
0: making incremental advances and we're doing heat pumps in our building and yeah. this big push of
2: electrification yeah. just in yes. general yes, and yes. moving yes. away from that there's
3: a whole article in yeah. the globe about this topic
2: okay correct nice. but yeah. i would change that what it says it did sustain i would change it to it did not sustain <laughs> <laughs> it's the only no. difference in the in article so it's yes. as far it's as i know all the people it's did they did they fail or did they, they fail to they, work? They failed so, to work. So
1: I mean, just, oh, so they weren't even pumping heat out at all. They, the efficiency didn't drop. It just didn't uh, work at all. They
2: didn't work at all.
0: Heat
3: yeah. pumps just to go back. Mm-hmm. Heat pumps uh, will sit on the roof. They look like they had an air conditioning
0: condenser. What they're actually doing well, they in the winter. They run in the opposite direction.
3: Yeah, in the winter they're pulling heat from the air, even if it's ostensibly mm-hmm. zero degrees, ten degrees. But you know, when you get the arctic blast, it sounds right. like from experience that some of these are uh, having a hard time.
0: The and these are new; these the ref- are new units.
2: Ref- Correct, the brand new units.
0: The refrigerant Jeez. in the condensers is condensed and brought below the ambient temperature, even if it is that zero or minus ten. Mm-hmm. In theory, again, right? But now we're hearing from Oleg here in practice that didn't happen no and so did you have pipes
1: freeze in those buildings yeah like how cold uh, did it get
2: pipes not really i mean you know we we knew that that might happen and we did preventive maintenance mm-hmm. of course right so we checked all the all the pipes all the you know installations all the open windows we send out emails to all the all the residents you yeah. know even on faster yes That's exactly right. Things can't freeze if it's it's moving. If it's dropping, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in older buildings, we did have frozen pipes that just. What we're doing now, because we're doing some heat pumps in
3: higher end, uh, larger units, we'll put on an electric coil backup so mm-hmm. so it, it's going to blow past the air handler the, the hot coil from the heat pump but then should that not catch up there's a small accessory on the end that's just pure like an electric baseboard heat it's to expensive one. to run yeah. it's inefficient it really shouldn't come on but when you have a negative 10 degree that's what you're going to rely on where's huh.
0: that built into Was that where is that built into
3: like we're in this instance we're using pancake air handlers <laughs> So this is hung from threaded rod from the ceiling mechanical room. Mm. and then uh, past the air handler, which is basically just a fan, there is a coil. That coil is heated by the heat pump on the roof. And then past that, there's a small cube. It's the last sort of uh, box. Are
1: these uh, are these individual yeah. rooms, or because I know some of those pancake units can serve, they can serve. Like they can be ducted. This is all
3: ducted. I was gonna this,
1: say this ducted, this pancake
3: yeah. unit is not the same as to say a cassette. This is a fully ducted, this happens to be a high velocity system. So it's two inch round, you know. Oh, it's high vol velo- okay. it's high velocity. But you could do this just with a t- off of typical ductwork to ductwork runs, yeah.
1: So you'd have to but they would have to go on it, did you put do you put it in like the the main trunk or do you put yeah. it yeah, okay. So
3: before it sort of distributes, distributes out. Distributes yeah. out, yeah. And I mean the other time it needs it is the heat pump's not to get too technical, but they go through an antifreeze cycle, yes. and when that happens, you can have a freeze-up. You're you're not going to get hot air during those minutes, and it will blow cold air, even if it's not negative ten, even if it's fifteen. So, but it prevents another, the unit on the outside
0: yeah. from actually freezing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a defrost cycle, if you would call it.
3: Yeah, call it, I call it insurance, and it was an extra seven hundred dollars per unit, and if my phone never rings, uh, it's a good
0: seven hundred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So I, I mean, was, it's important was about about those here things, things because this is where we're all apparently headed, you know, mm-hmm. with the way the world's going. It's
3: a crazy experiment happening all at once in, in the city of Boston soon where yeah. everything is also my, not to go too far on this, but <laughs> so I have all my permanent power on. So I'm running these heat pumps and granted, like you don't go into the units every day, all day. And, and sometimes they get left as they did here at like 89 degrees. So it was probably... Mm-hmm. But my heat bills came and uh it's not inexpensive man my electric bills for running these very efficient heat pumps i want to say is is it's well more than my gas bill for really my my combi boiler in my current unit yep Mm. interesting
2: i think new heat pumps you know in your regeneration they can sustain colder temperatures Mm -hmm. but they are more expensive so they are specifically designed for like below 10 degrees yeah yeah Are
1: you you using, uh, have you used any of those heat pump water heaters yet?
2: Or, yeah. Um, I don't know. Okay,
3: That's always the challenge. We talked about this with electrification of buildings. It's really domestic domestic hot water. You can, heat pumps do a really good job heating, cooling, but domestic hot water on a large scale for larger, big buildings, you really, there isn't a great solution.
1: Yeah, because the the on demand is not there yet. The technology is not there.
0: No, not for electric. So not for this zone because the yeah. water out of the ground is too cold. They, so
3: they do have heat sort. They do have uh, uh, heat pumps for water heaters, and they look like big tanks, and they sort of have a myrrh to um, them. They, you wouldn't want to put it in the, the bedroom of a, <laughs> in a closet in a bedroom, but yeah, yeah. So. And,
1: and and I've heard I've heard that uh, with the electric or the heat pump water heaters. It pumps out cooler air as well, so you got to be careful because the air around yeah. it
3: could, yeah. be cool. could get colder. That it, it, air, that room could be colder. Probably need some clearances. Yeah, I mean, imagine trying to heat your swimming pool with electric heat. It's going to be a fortune. It's yeah, a so well,
2: it's, that, wait, it might be very efficient, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Take A while to get there, yeah.
0: Do you have swimming pools as an amenity at any of your
2: buildings? Or <laughs> no, no, we don't have that. That's <laughs> <laughs> the <a> luxury segment. <laughs>
3: have you been following the news about like rent control or even today, uh, for,
0: rent stabilization? Mark,
3: No, oh, hold on, rent stabilization. Also, you, you emailed it. about it today. Uh, just cause evictions, just cause evictions only
0: you could yes. only evict for certain reasons. Only, yes, it's bad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was gonna let you say it,
1: <laughs>
0: it's bad. Yeah,
1: how are you?
2: There is no other way around it.
1: Yeah, I mean, how how do you think you you might kind of pivot? Because you you know the majority of our portfolio is in the city. If stuff something like that gets enacted,
2: well, the government is the government, right? That's what the government decides. That's what's going to be if you don't fight it, and and um, <laughs> you know we'll just have to find alternatives way or something else. Yeah,
3: it's amazing how these things have unintended consequences too. Yeah, I mean, I might get might not like me saying this, but if you put these things in, it's just going to, maybe I'll be really patient about renting up a unit. I won't take a chance on somebody who like may or may not have, uh, you know, a good job or good credit. Just, hey, I'm going to leave this vacant for three months until I get somebody who's absolutely rock solid financially because, geez, I, if, if this does go south, I'm screwed.
1: It also disincentivizes me to why am I going to spend money to improve the property mm-hmm. and make it better you know for instance i my, some of my buildings that i purchased a while ago or a decade or ago needed kitchen upgrades and bathroom upgrades and by doing so i was able to increase rents by a good amount because i went from you know the went from like a c type unit to a b or a b plus type unit and if i can only if I'm capped at how much that increase is, because the only reason why I did it was I knew I could recoup my investment into the building or into that unit within a certain number of years. And if I can't do that going forward, why am I going to spend the money on, on upgrading the building? Again yeah. you will not. I won't. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. No. So it's, it's, it's a, I don't know. It's a Topic for separate episode. It's a whole other episode we could talk about just on this topic, but for sure, it'll be very interesting to see what happens.
3: Do you use a standard form
2: uh, Massachusetts lease agreement, or do you guys now have your own? We have our own, but it's not far off from the standard. Yes, with, uh, you know, with a bunch of addendums. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some just things that, that you... like you put in the addendum that, from experience, you're like, this
3: is this is a bullet point that I really like to make sure is included,
2: or I think smoking in the buildings, allowed. I think Mm -hmm. trash in the buildings, you know, if I take care of the trash, uh, noise, Mm -hmm. uh, no trespass. So that's kind of the the basic stuff. Anything about water beds? I know
0: (laughs) we've been (laughs) told no water beds and I had a tenant. That's like, do you have a lot of tenants that bring water beds? I said, I don't know. I guess if they were popular back in the day, Yeah, if you rented
3: in like the early nineties, I think the answer would have been yes. My wife definitely had had a water bed when she was growing up. No, like, she didn't. Yeah, she did. And my parents in had in her house? Bed. Yeah. And her parents had one too. Really? Yeah. yeah.
2: They don't seem like they would be comfortable. Are they comfortable? I, I didn't you know. They certainly like, they certainly make the noise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> every every week my mom, we she had this like giant closet. Rod and she'd roll it over the bed. She'd have to burp the bed because I guess air would somehow accumulate. Oh, your in parents there. had a water. They bed. had a water bed, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And it became a, like fun family activity. Burp
2: the bed. It was like, "Okay." <laughs> I haven't seen space those space for a while. What I do yeah. see is the installation of the of the of the um, of the laundry in the room yeah. in the in the apartment.
0: People people don't want to like if you have coin up in a building they want or if they just want in unit laundry and you don't have it. Yes, they're just. Finding something on Amazon, buying it, and doing their laundry like on a countertop. Yes. Wow. You
3: know what's fascinating in Europe? Uh, when you rent, you bring your own appliances with you. So you really? move on September first. The moving truck picks up your couch, your master, your your queen the size, the entire bed, the entire and kitchen your refrigerator up. and your washer and your dryer and and your stove and you bring your own appliances. That just, so that's so wild. That's how kitchens go. And yeah,
0: what if it's one dimension of the place you're moving into it's a, it won't accommodate your fridge? You just leave it on the curb.
3: I don't know. I'm going to ask. So my trainer, <laughs> Federico, who lives in Argentina, recently moved and he was he was telling me all about this. So I have one data point, but I'm pretty sure it's accurate.
2: In some of the apartments, actually, you can, you know, if 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 laundry in the unit are permitted, you can bring your own laundry. Yeah. So yeah. I've seen this before, but uh. definitely not a, a stove. And... How are they venting the dryer is my question. You, you can't just...
0: Have it go into your unit and warm your unit up. Mm-hmm. Or those, well, I suppose if it's electric. Well, now you can it's buy electric. now
1: you can buy the ventless yeah. Yeah, drivers yeah you can. Do you allow uh,
2: tenants to mount TVs on the wall? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, we do. We do. We don't have any restrictions against that.
3: Okay. I will write that after they take it down, <gasps> they patch the holes and paint from corner to corner. Because mm-hmm. I'm so tired of the cheesy like you know, a little square where the TV was that's now painted. How, how
0: many of your tenants actually do that? None. Like to your spec, you know? Yeah, oh. no.
3: But at least I have it somewhere. Where it hasn't
0: been an issue yeah. so far,
2: but... But, it's, it's. but
1: typically when, when tenants move, they usually leave the mount. Mm-hmm. which is typical they don't really take them out because t- mounts are so cheap now you can do yeah. like 20 bucks on amazon
0: yeah. so if people leave the mounts then people they can be reused
3: and then you can buy uh, just a universal set of screws on amazon for your tv yeah that's whatever true. it might be yeah
0: yeah dan and i were having this uh debate early on in the design process i said what if we just put mounts we define the tv wall on all the units and put them out there and supply our own mount you that- could
3: and then every tenant you you pay 16 for a set of screws and it has every single yeah. that's a thought
0: okay. well then we started okay. rent for the month
3: yeah, yeah. The mall, so it's, well
0: it's... then we got into like well what if it's a different size tv or if it's this or that or
2: not the right weight i don't know how do you guys handle security deposits <laughs> carefully else <laughs> state law is a very strict yes you know yeah. so it's a separate a separate deposit interest paid in certain times so that's yes that, that, that's very strict i should know this but last
3: month's rent also is interest bearing or you take yes. that it's then
2: yours i as far as i remember I think if um you know if it's in a if it's in the bank account yeah that's what I was interested to spa I think it's if you Steady. if you use it like commingle mm-hmm. with your own funds which mm-hmm. I think you're allowed them um, I don't remember mm-hmm. I think that's a five percent they have to pay
0: I got it yeah it's always five percent or going market rate whichever's less and so recently <laughs> right now five percent
3: been- is probably <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, you're probably making yeah. money it's it's been it's been less but no security deposit separate account last month rent I believe it you know, like you said, you can mm-hmm. have one last month Red account and track the interest separately. But,
2: huh? What about pets? Hmm. Pets uh, are allowed, I believe, up uh, to certain pounds, up to a certain mm-hmm. to sort of the weight. Dogs, dogs maybe. cats, so
0: dogs, you, you, require, you restrict certain breeds? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. We don't allow pit bulls. Got it. Have you had a lot of folks come through and say, I have an
2: emotional support animal, especially with? COVID and mental health being top. Uh, many many years ago I did have I did have one on the uh, on the on the exact list on the eviction. So, you know, we we tried to evict a person and it was out of Boston, it wasn't Boston. We tried to evict somebody and then, you know, only because of the pit bull and then pit bull but just a but dangerous, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a bit of dog. And lawyer for the you know, for the tenant came out and said well, that's that's our emotional support. So I said, yeah, right.
1: Uh, <laughs> Do they have a, a doctor's note?
2: You have to have a doctor's. Some backup. I don't remember
0: about it, but judge didn't buy it. <laughs> we had a uh, emotional support ferret for one of our tenants. We did. Uh, and yeah. then it peed on the floor, and then we had to redo the floors. Appar-
1: yeah, apparently <laughs> ferret urine is just as bad as cat urine. No kidding.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: You had to refinish the floors in that bedroom. The joys of being a landlord. Dunk. Yeah, I know, right?
0: It's exciting. <laughs> what what um what technology are you using from a uh, property management standpoint and tenant interaction? I assume all the tenants get an option for like a, an app or everything's online yeah. now.
2: Yes, yeah, so we used to uh, years ago. We used to have MRI. Then then we and then we got into Yardi and you know, and Yardi have to be a rocket scientist for it to, to use it. So as of right now, we use Apfolio. It's a much more, it's much more user friendly. It's a simplified, it just, it's, it's simple. It's very similar to QuickBooks to use, but it does have all the check and balances in, in, in place.
0: Very nice. Have you looked into that? When we had property management, third-party property management, they used Appfolio. There's another one, property wear. It's the real page, yeah. Yeah, real, real page them. acquired them years ago. Oh, interesting. And there was another, there was another Buildium was another one. That's yeah. also a part of a real page right now. I like I Buildium think. the most out of all of them. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, when we had the option. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a part of the real page right now. They give you a lot of reporting, right? It's flexible. Mm-hmm. Some of the other ones were a little less detailed.
3: But anyway, moving on. <laughs> when you were getting into real, I mean... It's kind of a tough one because I feel like you came into it with some <laughs> funds from other businesses. But my personal quandary has always been like, I'd much rather be a landlord than a seller of condominiums. But for a long time, I had to sort of make that deal with the devil to sell units to recycle cash so that I could put chips on the table and sort of leave them there. But uh, I guess I, answer my, I would assume that the answer is you're able to just buy buildings and keep them be- because you came into it with.
2: Yeah, with I mean, we gas, are so. long-term holders. Yeah. We believe we believe that you make money in real estate by keeping the asset and not by selling the asset so you know we would like to hold though we did develop condominiums and and sold them as a condominiums you know and i mean i'll tell you all the buildings that i've sold in the last maybe seven eight years i would have i I would have purchased them back at that price i sold them yeah every single every single asset Mm. You yeah. do, so you want to hold forever, basically, as, as long as we can. Yeah. You
3: as don't, you don't win can. at Monopoly by, by selling your pieces.
1: Do you raise capital for? Yes, we do. Okay. So, yes, we do. So it's a combination of traditional bank. Yes. You know, Correct. debt and equity. Correct. And then how are you? I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to discuss, but is your is your goal to get the investor out? after you do your value add
2: and do a refinance or are they in it for the long term it depends on the on the capital stock right it depends on kind of investor you you are you know you're partnering with i think institutional capital is traditionally shorter term that can be you know from two years to five years to maybe a little bit longer family offices and high net worth individuals they tend to be more on the longer side. So it's a more flexible capital, it can be more expensive, but it's a, what we call it it's it's a patient capital. So with them, yeah, we can hold asset longer, you know, five years or seven years, so or even definitely if everybody's on the same page. How'd you get started with a family office? Was how did you make that connection? I think the most important thing is the trust. So you know they, they have to trust you. They you know, they have to, they have to trust you to, what you to what you're doing, you know, for the knowledge, for the, um, you know, for the due diligence, for a, a number of different things. But, but I think trust, that's, that's critically important.
3: Let's talk about due diligence. You have a piece of land that you like, that you uh, are in the process of acquiring, and you have 45 days diligence, 30 days. Well, what are you doing
2: during that time? Looking at the land, what it can produce, how it can be uh, efficiently structured in terms of the building on it. Looking at the zoning. Looking at the government again. You know, if it's a, if it's under control, I probably I would say no. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, Massachusetts didn't have rent control or doesn't have rent control for a long time. It used to have in control, but what else? Is in due, deal, in due diligence yeah like anything in environmental environment. or in, in, in environmental of course yes, yes are you are you going
0: under due diligence for like 30 45 days or are you getting a little better terms because it's a bigger deal
2: it, it depends yeah. it depends probably longer probably longer a little bit longer it can be 60 days
1: do you buy things are are you buying stuff contingent on approvals or or entitlement or are you are you buying land or assets and taking kind of that development or entitlement so, risk?
2: I think it depends. Um it depends on the it depends on the deal. We've certainly purchased land without contingency on the permits. Price can be better, terms can be better. So we definitely acquired land without any contingency, you know, and we would assume all the risk that's if something doesn't doesn't go in the way it is well I mean in Massachusetts, the most of the cities and and towns and municipalities, I believe, that are kind of pro development because of the of the shortage of housing. Though some some areas, it's that's difficult <coughs> because of the resistance from the from the neighborhood groups. Even though everybody wants housing everybody wants affordables everybody wants to do a good thing and when it comes to your own backyard <laughs> all of a sudden it's it's a it's a vice versa it's it's 180 degrees opposite no no no. you go somewhere else
0: yeah.
2: the nimbys you gotta NIMBYs stop coming that coming that real, that's the
0: pro- part of the problem and it's why they're going back to the rent control thing is why it's rearing its ugly head we just need more housing
3: so, as interest rates have gone up, you feel like uh, you've only had more demand for rentals. Is that held yes, true in your that's,
2: experience? That's actually a very good statement. So, interest are low, and people and people tend to buy. They they want condominiums, they, they want houses. Interest rate go go up. It's more difficult to buy, and people think, okay, I'm going to I'm going to rent for a few years. I'll I'll hold it, and, and the rental market is in more demand. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it before in 2012 you know, in 2010 when there was a recession, but, but um, the current market was was strong.
3: Yeah. What other metrics are you looking at when you're uh, in the acquisition mode? Uh, we talked a little bit about cap rates. Are you looking at um, any other ratios, cash on cash?
1: Like, va- What about vacancy? How do you underwrite, like what are you underwriting for va- like those types of metrics?
2: I think vacancy are less of a concern to us because you know we know what we can do, so we don't even look at vacancy at, at the existing new vacancies in the, in the buildings, right? When we look in the buildings, we know what we can get out of this building as, as soon as we acquire, as soon as we start the management process. So the vacancies, and that's to us, that's mm-hmm. us, right? So we, we we are not concerned with the with the historical numbers of the vacancies. Um, actually, in our case higher vacancies it's even better because that means a mismanagement mm-hmm. you know
1: i'm sorry i'm talking about on the underwriting side when you're looking yeah. at a deal like if you're buying a hundred units or you're building a hundred units what do you account for your vacancy rate yeah i think 100%. it's
2: a pretty standard i mean you do have the the metrics from yeah. you know <laughs> infinity and then freddy so three they kind of, yeah, yeah. yes thanks exactly.
3: i going to put five yeah and if you know it's going to be zero
2: right Oh, yes! Yes, you well, have to. You'll never to. be zero. It'll never be Very zero. Low, but, that's the yeah.
3: Case. Well, plenty of I mean, buildings pretty much won't have a
2: vacancy. Well, it's, uh, well, look in some of the cases. You, if if the, if, the, if the vacancy is zero, we say the, your rents are undervalued.
3: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting.
1: So that's
2: a it's, very it's better have a vacancy zero as well.
3: I would agree on a really large building, but not necessarily if you're talking like about a three, four, four or five yeah. minutes.
2: Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. That's that's a very different ball game.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting point. Would you rather have high rents but more vacancy or lower
2: rents and less vacancy? That's probably um, a place where like there's got to be. Yeah, a I round. think I think from from the values perspectives, right? If your game, you know. On the value, on the creation of the value in the building, it's probably higher no vacancy and higher rents that will be more beneficial to you on the sale, on the refinance, on the, on the, on the value creation in, in the building. You know, if it's a, for a longer term and a cash flow, probably that can go other way.
1: Are you doing recap events on almost every... Yes, we do. Okay. Yeah. After, After it's built, that's, built that's, stabilized? That's our model, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, that's our model.
1: And so are you... Are you trying to get your investors out, or in some cases, are you trying to give that, like, does the recap event pay yourself and the investors, or how does that typically break out?
2: Yeah, um, um, typically all the partners, investor partners, they are on the same terms as we are and everybody else, because it's a cash, it's a cash in, it's a cash out. So a refinance that would be cash, that would be equally distributed among all the partners. So it's like
0: everybody's a general partner and there's no general limited partner structure.
2: Um or everybody they are just you know, limited was. partners, but but everybody has a certain preferred yeah. return.
0: They're not the LPs aren't getting fed first and then it goes to you as the GP.
2: It is it, it, is, it is there is a it share is. of it is the cost. But, but we are also kind of limited partners in a sense. So we invest our own capital. Oh, I see. Right. You can be on the same terms as, well. as, as everybody everybody. So
1: everyone's kind of coming in at the same as
2: a Yes, yes. Got it. Very nice.
1: So that way, when it, when it comes to distributions, everyone it's all equal.
0: That's exactly right. Yes. I spoke to somebody recently who was um they're in you know the stock market world they're they're on the, that side of things and thinking of making a switch and starting a fund and getting you know acting more as like the capital stack part of the capital stack for people's deals and he said how are these typically structured and I said everyone we've ever talked to and everything we've ever experienced there all everyone is can be slightly different or completely different depending on the deal and your way of explaining it is different than what I've heard in other ones mm-hmm. so I think just further's the point
1: are your investors yeah. mostly concerned on IRR about
2: IRR or they consider or do they use a different metric it's an excellent question we say IRR it can be very misleading right as understanding of the returns so i think it seems since usual new capital are more concerned with irr because that's you know on the short term irrs are more important and that's how you get that's how you, you get your promote on the longer terms irrs is, is less critical because you know on the space especially on the on the value add deal irr in the first second and third year it can go it can go through the roof right it it with just the the um, you know it can be very high, but but only only third year or the fourth year or the fourth on the fifth year IRR has to go down, because the asset is stabilized and you know they they, they just enjoy the cash flow without uh, without exp, 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 exponential growth. So you know if you break down IRR over the years, you you will see that that you know in year one in year two it, that can be. Like for instance, forty percent IRR, even forty percent IRR, right? In the year three, it can go down to fifteen percent IRR, and, and 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 trickle down. On average, it can be 18 percent IRR. So it's really it, that's how we look at it, right? So I think on a longer term investment, equity multiple is a, is a more is a more true performance than IRR. I think I think
1: I agree. I agree with you there, right? Because I think our biggest our biggest hurdle was on the project we we're, we're doing now when we were raising money is most people all the investors we were looking for were looking for a 15% IRR but we were saying oh well it's a 10 year duration and then you, it's yeah. it it, no, it, it no. looks terrible because obviously like you said the longer the duration it's going to dilute that IRR it has to. it, it you so i think we ran into
2: that issue when we were that's exactly right yeah yeah so some of the some of the underwriting in this case it has to be only five year only only five-year calculations with a 10-year hold for instance right so you can calculate irr i mean obviously with, with the full disclosures that that this asset is only five-year irr but oh, the whole period is is for longer
1: and what are your typical multiples look like are you looking what what multiple are you typically trying to target or what are your investors typically looking for for the longer term stuff
2: everybody is is used to is used to thinking in are i think returns right so i think from 14 to 18 on percent there are on the, only 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 five-year calculations on a five-year hold it's 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 not better at all it's very good yeah that's what we're typically typically see
3: well i Sorry. think we're almost uh coming up on time here you guys have any any last questions i'm
2: trying to think well like anything we yeah i was gonna say we anything, yeah, any, anything you want to you want to touch on i think a yeah. good thing to irr which yeah. you mentioned which is thought critically important to Manuel or very important to many people is depreciation and depreciation can certainly enhance your your return yeah.
3: We've been talking about yeah. uh, having somebody on who does an engineer who specializes in accelerated depreciation, yes.
2: like cost segregation. It's yeah. called yes, a cost segregation study. Yeah. 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 We do this all the time.
0: It, so explain to um, our listeners, the depreciation and why it's a benefit in that regard. And do you actually use it when representing IRR calculations and saying, okay, this, this enhances your return because. On the terminal event after the five years, there's depreciation recapture, so that's probably part of the overall numbers, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I think it's it's more a marketing way. That's how you explain and how you present, right? Depreciation is very beneficial to family offices that have passive income, and most of them do. At the same time, as you mentioned, the recapture of depreciation at the end of the sale, right? But but if you are on a, on a higher income bracket right, the recapture of depreciation is going to be the, the lower rate than your income bracket. And so regardless of of um, of recapture of depreciation, you will still get the benefits mm-hmm. and for you know for for this years for five years you you you're getting the benefit of, of extra cash flow not to pay on the taxes so that's certainly it's certainly it's certainly a great advantage and then bonus depreciation that's kind of a new law in the last few years That that's 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 increases depreciation in year one and year two significantly and then it kind of it, it trickles down a little bit Okay. Yeah. And
0: the cost segregation can help with that And the too. cost segregation, yes. Instead yes, of your right. whole building falling under a 27 and a half year schedule, you can break it out into 5, 15, that's and then exactly. that's across, Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and 3, 5, and, and 7, 10 years. So that, that's that's yeah. Actually, one thing we did also is if you're planning on a renovation, you can take what you've disposed of, kind of do a cost seg of the building as is at purchase, and then things that are disposed of during demo those get accelerated to hundred percent as well hell. that's correct yeah that's correct that's cool
3: awesome man well like thank you so much for coming in for joining us it's been a great conversation
0: thank you yeah people yeah, want to learn more yeah. about your company
2: invest in your company or yes reach out about that as yeah. well opportunities how, how can they find you guys uh we are on the web it's uh how do you spell Hellish again helch h-e-l-g gossip awesome.
3: gossip.com Nice. Cheers, man. Well, thank you. Yeah,
1: thank you so much.
3: Thank you. It's been great. Thanks, everybody, for rating, listening, and reviewing, and we'll catch you on the next one.